Have you ever hoped for something so long that you, you were afraid to hope ever again that it could come to pass? Have you ever had a dream and you dreamed it for so long that the dream finally died? It would be like before 2016 being a Cubs fan. 1908 was the last time that they'd won a, a World Series and my grandfather passed away without ever seeing them win. My father is in the winter of his life. I'm now in the fall of my life without ever anything good happening there. But have you ever noticed that about life, that life just kind of goes on, time keeps on churning, and it seems like we are destined to ordinariness. We pray for things that don't come to pass. We dream about things that sometimes don't pan out. And, and if you're taking notes in your worship guide this morning, the first, the first fill in the blank for you this morning is that most of life is lived in ordinary time. I, I hate to break that to you as a, as a pastor and as a man of God this morning, but... If you've lived life long enough, you can vouch with me that these words are true, that most of life is lived in ordinary time. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived after observing his life, said this, I observed everything under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. He said, what is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. What is wrong can't be made right. What is missing can't be recovered. It's what makes people quit church. I used to go to church. I used to believe. I used to pray. I used to hope for. I used to imagine. I used to dream. I used to come and sing just as I am, and I would leave just as I was. And nothing ever changed. It's like a couple I spoke with yesterday who a year from right now, a year ago right now, lost their only son in a car accident. They were a wonderful, loving Christian couple, but they confessed to me that when their son died, it was a crisis of faith. We believed all of these years only for this to happen. And so we say with Solomon, what is wrong cannot be made right, what is meaningless, what is missing cannot be recovered. It's what makes some pastors quit. Recent survey said that 93% of pastors are, uh, feel privileged to be a pastor. I'm in that group. I love being a pastor feel privileged to be so, but there are some who become disillusioned. That the things that they preach don't come to pass. Uh, Taylor shared with us recently a family member who, who was a pastor that he looked up to, who, who privately, while he was pastoring, became an atheist while being a pastor. Eventually left the pastor, now speaks at atheism conferences, about how he lost his faith. 
I think having confidence in our doctrine is not good enough over time. At some time, we want to experience God. We want more than just some beliefs that are told to us from the, from the front of the church building. We want more than just knowing what we teach, what we believe and teach. We want an encounter with the Most High God. We don't want to just intellectually know God. We want an encounter with God. I think if we're honest, we might admit that we long for we long for, let me just speak my own longing this morning, we long for a miracle. The message in this series, Make Room, the, the message today is make room for the miraculous. Make room for the miraculous. I, I long for miracles. I, I'll just confess to you this morning as a pastor, I long for miracles. I long for miracles in our church. I, I, I long... For miracles in my life. I long, you know, we're working hard and the church is growing and good things are happening. But I don't want to just grow a church from the hard work and effort that goes in. I don't know about you, but I would just love God to show up and have a breakthrough. Just a divine visitation from God. Just a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit where it wasn't about effort and it wasn't about all of that, but it was a breakthrough. A breakthrough. I long for miracles in my own life. Some of us long for miracles in our health and in our family. Mike Randolph's going for surgery this week. I know you long for a miracle. We long to see God move in our day. We had just moved to Illinois and one of our board members became very, very ill. He didn't become very ill. He became deathly ill. His name was Charles Benson. The doctors didn't give Charles much hope. It was so much so that he had a daughter in California that the doctor said, you need to bring your daughter back. She needs to see you. We don't know that you're going to make it. Charles didn't have a lot of money. Our little church at that time got together and we raised funds for, for his daughter to come back to see Charles. He was in the hospital in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which was about an hour from our home. Our hospital was too little for the seriousness of the condition that he had. And so I was going to make a hospital call to Charles Benson and... When I would drive a little distance away to go to the hospital, I liked to take someone with me, and Natalie was just knee-high to a grasshopper, and she was just a little tyke at the time. And so Natalie and I took a road trip to go pray for Charles Benson. I'm comfortable in hospital settings. I, I spent a couple years as a hospital chaplain. But being a hospital chaplain taught me something, and that is, and you may not be used to hearing this from pastors this morning, but I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. One thing that I learned as the hospital chaplain is that a lot of people that I prayed for didn't get better. There were a lot of people that I prayed for in the cancer ward that went home to be with the Lord. They were not cured of their cancer. 
I, I, I always, when I was a hospital chaplain, I would, I would see these televangelists, you know, these healers, you know, on television, and I would think, come work with me for one day. I would love to see you empty this, this ward, this, 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 this oncology ward, this cancer ward. It looks really good on television in, in, your, in your nice setting that you're doing these things, but come with me one day and let's empty this cancer ward. And, I, and, and, you're, and you're looking at a pastor today that believes in miracles. But I'm confessing today that, that often that the miracles didn't happen, but I had Natalie with me and she hadn't been taught that yet. And so I prayed for Charles Benson along with my little daughter Natalie. And she, as sincerely as could be, looked up at Charles after we were done praying and she said, See you Sunday, Charles. see you Sunday. Now we laugh, but it, for some mysterious reason, that day became a turning point in Charles' health. Charles is alive today. Charles is a leader in that church in Illinois today. It was so dramatic of a healing in Charles' life that we made a video We'd, and it was around Christmas time. We did a takeoff on Miracle on 34th Street. We called it Miracle on 16th and Poplar. That was where our, our church was. And we, and we just recounted the story of Charles' amazing recovery from this next to death. His daughter was flown home from California. We had a, we had a, just a, a courier and Ives Christmas at the church that year. And it became a phrase around our church, see you Sunday faith. The faith that just says, see you Sunday. Because one thing that Christmas reminds us, if you're taking notes this morning, Christmas reminds us that miracles still happen. You find yourself among a people today that believe that miracles still happen. We believe in a God who does miracles, signs, and wonders. You're not in a church that's a cessationist church. We don't believe that miracles have ceased, but we believe that what God did back then, He can still do today. And miracles still happen. And so you saw depicted uh, at the beginning of the sermon Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He was a priest. He was a descendant of Aaron, but there were so many priests by the time of Jesus' day that there were thousands of them by now, and they had to split them up into 24 different groups, 24 different divisions. He was in the division of Abijah. With 24 divisions, it meant that your division was on duty in the temple two times a year, two weeks a year. Your division would be on duty two weeks a year. The rest of the time you would be out in the villages doing priestly duties. But two times a year you would come to the temple. Your division had been called up and it was your time to shine. It was your time to serve in the temple. But having said that, very, very few of the priests ever got invited to go inside of the temple. So, so John had been to the temple many times, twice a year, but he'd never been inside the temple, and the way that you chose who was to go inside the temple was you, you cast lots. It was a lottery, if you will. They, they did a lottery to see which priest it was that had the privilege 
of going inside the temple. Now, John was, or Zechariah was now an older man. He'd never won the lottery. Can I just say, I feel like I'm one of the most unlucky people that I know. <laughs> At work the other day, we had a contest. Is the, is the incense bothering you? You all wouldn't make very good Catholics, you know what? We do, they do this every Sunday. Come on, guys, we can handle it for one week. Yeah, it's good. Um, so, so John, he's not expecting to win the lottery that day. He's, his chances are one in thousands that he would be chosen to go inside the temple. We had a contest at work the other day where by, by doing certain things at work, we got our, na- our, our names put in this little hat where they were drawing like 20 prizes, like nice prizes, like $500 gift certificates to Walmart and all this stuff. Well, I had been a really good boy that month, and I had 24 slips of paper in that hat. And a lot of people had one slip of paper, and two, I had been very good. They drew 20 times, and not one time did one of my 24 <laughs> slips come out. I am the most un- unluckiest guy. And I, I wonder if, you know, because what I'm saying, Taylor, is a lot of life is just ordinary. You don't win the lottery. You just, you just go through life and, you know, I hate to be negative, but, you know, life's great and we have babies and all this great stuff happens, but eventually we lose everything. I honest. And it's the ordinary way of life. So Solomon says, I looked at it all and I just finally saw that it was meaningless. And John, you know, here he is. It's my time to serve. They do the lottery and much to his amazement, they announce the winner and it's Zachariah. You have been chosen to go in the... Now, by the way, if you ever got chosen to go in the temple, they would take your name out of the hat forever after that. It was a once in a lifetime. If you ever got chosen, your name wouldn't even put in next time because, because it was such a rare opportunity that if you ever got to do it, it was once in a lifetime. So John's dad gets a once in a lifetime opportunity. He knows that this time... I'm going to not just go to the temple. I'm going inside the temple. Now, having said that he's going inside the temple, that's cool, but it's not that cool because nothing really cool had happened inside the temple for thousands of years. Before church, we were in doing meditations before coming in here, and Taylor had us read from Isaiah. Remember when Isaiah goes into the temple and suddenly the presence of the Lord fills the temple and his glory comes down and his train fills. And, 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 and Zechariah would have known that story from thousands of years ago. But, but generation had come and gone and nothing cool like that had ever happened in the temple. But Zechariah had his opportunity and his job, his job was to bring incense and, and, to, and to, to light the incense and put it on the, on the table of incense. And incense, if you know anything about the Bible, represents the prayers of God's people. The Bible says that our prayers go up to God like incense rising. So the symbolism is very strong. And so the Bible says that there was lots of people outside praying. John, uh, Zechariah comes along and he's got the incense and 
He's bringing it forward, and, and the incense represents all of the prayers of those people. And, and when, he, when he lights the incense, the Bible says, bam! An angel of the Lord appeared to him on the right side. He was terrified. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't, he, he, you know, any prayers like that had long died away. Any dreams like that had long died away. But suddenly, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, shows up and begins to prophesy to him. And he says something very interesting. He says, your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been answered. And it begged the question of me, what was Zechariah's prayer? How many of you have some prayers that you're waiting to be answered? I've got some prayers that I want to see God answer. And sometimes we prayed for so long that, that we just don't even want to pray them anymore. They just... But I, I have a friend who's a, who's a pastor. He got on Facebook Live this week. And he said, I'm just really burdened to pray for people that are far from God right now. And he said, I want to say to you that when you pray, your prayers never die. They never blip out. Those prayers that you prayed are always there before the throne of God. It seems like we've prayed them so many times and they've not come to pass and Will those prayers ever be answered? What was the prayer? Well, the great prayer of the people of that day was one prayer. And it was this, send us a Messiah. Free us from the bondage that we're in. The people that are outside, certainly they had thousands of prayer requests, but there was one overriding prayer request that they're praying that day, and that is, send us a Messiah. No doubt John's prayer was send us a Messiah, but can I also say, how many know that we pray for the big things? We pray for peace on earth. We pray for all those things. But how many knows that in the longings of our heart there's some personal prayers? There's some personal things. Some prayers that you need answered that aren't just about world peace. And John, the truth of the matter is John wanted a son, but he didn't just want a son. He wanted a great son. He wanted a great son. And the angel comes to him and doesn't just say you're going to have a son. He says, you're going to have an amazing kid. And this kid's going to go before the Lord. It's, 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 this, it's this double thing. The big prayer is being answered. The Messiah is coming. But even in the coming of the Messiah, I'm going to answer your prayer, and your prayer is somehow fitting into the big prayer. Peace on earth is coming. All the big prayers are going to be answered. But let me just tell you, you've had this little personal thing going on, and and by the way, you quit praying it because you quit praying it because you got too old to have kids. 
And you quit praying it because Elizabeth got too old. So you didn't even bother with that prayer anymore, but God remembered. God remembered those prayers. Somebody needs to hear today that you've prayed some prayers. And God has not forgotten your prayers. Those prayers never fade out. Those prayers never go away. They rise like incense before the Lord. And in all of this ordinary time that's going on, those prayers are not forgotten. And when miracles happen, as you're taking notes, they make sense of past events. Suddenly when God shows up, everything before He showed up begins to fall in line. And it's like, oh, that's what God was up to. Oh, during all of that ordinary time that seemed meaningless to us, it was not meaningless. God was using all of those days to prepare our hearts for what He was getting ready to do. Can I just tell you that the ordinary lives that you're living right now are not meaningless. The Apostle Paul put it this way, that all things are working together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purposes, and all of the ordinariness of life, all of the good things and all the bad things, God's putting them together, and He's forming something, and you can't see it right now until the miracle comes, until the breakthrough comes. comes on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, and then... then Peter stands up and says, oh, that's what Joel was talking about. That's what Joel meant when he said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. God sent me to say something to some people here today. Do not be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired of this ordinary time. Don't get tired of the times when you don't see your prayers answered. Don't get tired of the times when it feels like God's not coming through in the way that you want Him to come through. The Bible says that, that, that it will come to pass in due season. Don't be weary in well-doing. Because in due season, there's something growing inside of us. And in due season, you're going to reap. If you don't faint, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Somebody needs to hear that today. Don't quit, don't quit. It's not time to quit. A lot of people in the world are quitting today. World's full of quitters. The, 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 the culture is filling with nuns. People have no religion anymore. None. Don't quit now. Don't quit before the breakthrough. Hmm. And this, and then this. Miracles always come. Miracles always come in answer to prayer. Miracles come always in answer to prayer. Our prayers are not meaningless. Our prayers go up before the Lord. And, and I heard it described this way one time that, that, that we pray for so long that, 
that there are bowls in heaven that are being filled. And when those bowls can't contain it anymore, there's a tipping point. And when it, the bowls in heaven reach the tipping point, they can hold it no longer. God pours himself out on us. Don't be tired of filling those bowls in heaven with those prayers. Because in one moment, Gabriel shows up and everything changes. January 8th through 28th at Life Church this year, we are going through a season of prayer and fasting. It is intentionally going to precede the time when we are inviting new people into the fold. Why are we doing prayer and fa- Oh, no. Not prayer and fasting. Um, prayer and, f- and fasting? <laughs> Oh, prayer. Six o'clock in the morning, prayer. Prayer and fasting. And, and, I, and I want you to be praying now about what God would have you fast from. Some may just want to go on a food fast. Just liquid. Some of you might want to go on a social media fast. Some of you might want to go on a Daniel fast where you don't eat any delicacies, any, any sweets, anything like that. But whatever it is that God, God says that for a, for a concerted time that I'm going to put aside these things, I'm going to fast from them so I can focus on you. And we're going to focus on some big picture prayers. But with those big picture prayers, how many know that we've got some personal stuff that we're praying? And we're bringing it before the Lord. Miracles always come in answer to prayer. And then finally, miracles. Miracles happen in God's time. Miracles happen in God's time and due time. God, please don't, please forgive me for what I'm about to say because you know my heart and you know I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, God. But God, if I were to give you a gift this year for Christmas, I would give you a watch. Because you never seem to come through at my time. How many know what I'm talking about? That, that God, I want God to come through on my timetable. Lord, we've really gotten advanced at our watches. We've got some really cool watches now. I could get you a really nice one. Have you ever noticed that God doesn't seem to care about our timetable? He doesn't seem to care about our clock. He doesn't seem to work on our, on our calendar. He's got his own calendar. And he's working everything to his good. And the problem is, church, people like me are trying to get God on my calendar and God wants me to get on his calendar. God says back to me, I'd like to get you a watch for Christmas, Phil. And I'd like you to watch and pray. And I'd like you to be faithful. And I'd like you to go through ordinary time. You see, you see, there's something that a lot of churches use called the lectionary. Are you familiar with that? The lectionary is where, is where um, all of the churches are on the same calendar and you are using the same scripture to preach from. From time to time, I will preach from the lectionary, uh, even at Life Church as a non-denominational church. 
And the lectionary changes these four weeks before Christmas, and we call it Advent. And then it changes before Easter, and we call it Lent, the, 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 the weeks that are leading up. But you know what the rest of the time outside of Lent and Advent is called? Ordinary time. It's called ordinary time. So after Advent in January, we just go back to ordinary time. We live most of our lives. You say, man, all of those miracles in the Bible, I wish they happened today. You've got to understand, those were over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years that those, that those miracles got compacted into one book. And many people, like Abraham, lived their whole life with hearing one word from God. Go, leave your country, do the... And he just acted on it. Let me just tell you, if you get a once-in-a-lifetime miracle move of God... You're doing good. And I know that some people have to have a miracle every morning. And, but can I just say, if you woke up this morning, you had a miracle this morning. You had a miracle this morning. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come, but miracles come true in, in God's time. In God's time. I'm, I'm thinking of a guy... Uh, he's a friend of Noah's, Gary Burgander. Gary um, was living by the lake in our town in his car because he didn't have a house and he was suicidal. And he drove up to our church one day when we were not having church and just looked at the service times on the, um, on the door Gary didn't have a tooth in his head. He was lost as lost could be. And he showed up to church as a last ditch effort before committing suicide. I wish you could see Gary today. He'll be at Christ Community Church with his hands up this morning. Worshiping the Lord. We got him teeth. He looks good. He's got a job. He's got a home. God's provided. Don't give up on your miracle. Zachariah lived all of his life feeling like the unluckiest guy ever. I never get picked. <laughs> I never get picked. And he's going through the, his duties. And he brings the incense and he puts it on the table of incense. And God says, it's now. Two words for time in the Bible. In Greek, one is called chronos. Chronology. We get chronology from... Chronos is the normal, ordinary passage of time. Springs turns to summer, summer to fall. Autumn brings winter and death comes to all. Chronology. But there's another Greek word for time and it's called kairos. 
Kairos is a special pregnant moment from God. The scripture often calls it the fullness of time. It, it's, a, it's a chronologically timeless moment when God breaks in and does something not ordinary. I don't know about you, but I just have this, as I prepared this message, this heartbeat. God, I want to see us move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. I want to see you do some things in my day. On 1015 Cedar Lane. Show up. Show off. Show yourself great. Do as you guys sing 